You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. We have a very special guest on the show. I have been dreaming and hoping to have YouTube on the show, and a dream has come true. Uh, Jamie is the head of YouTube strategy, working closely with the biggest advertisers in Canada to help them get the most out of the platform. She consults across a number of areas like consumer trends, insights, building great creative, and planning for optimal media strategies all of which help brands achieve their business objectives and hopefully build aware, build awesome ads people want to watch. Jamie has always had a passion for brand marketing, having spent the first nine years of her career at P&G, leading some of the world's most recognizable brands like Pantene, CoverGirl, Olay, and Duracell, and is a strong believer and an advocate in the power of digital brand building. Jamie, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So Jamie, let's jump right in. Um, what are some of your favorite creators that you love watching on YouTube these days? Well, my uh, favorite creators have kind of evolved over the last little bit. I've been super into like review video. I'm like trying to really like pump up my home space quite a bit. So um, I'm really into Crazy Plant Guy, mm-hmm. who yeah. I think is from Toronto or he's definitely Canadian. I think he might be from Toronto. So I like ha- you can't really see them, but I have plants all over that I'm trying to keep alive. Um, I'm really, I've been trying to do a lot of like DIY. So I'm into, um, dad, how do I, have you, mm-hmm. have you seen him? He yeah. is the best. He is a dad who starts pretty much kicks off pretty much every video with like an amazing dad joke. And then like, he does these like tool Tuesdays where he like walks you through what tools. Anyway, he's awesome. And then I've been super into, um, yoga trying to like get more yoga and doing some like home stuff so like yoga with adrian who's like classically consistent and awesome um and then some fitness creators like chloe ting so i would say those are who i'm like spending a lot of time watching right now but honestly it depends the day the day of the week yes 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 and i find that um you know youtube second largest search engine in the world uh, how to is often searched. How do you do something? It's it's the go to place. And I, I remember I went to a friend's place and he had built a deck. And I was like, How did you learn how to build a deck? And he's like, YouTube. And his wife showed me these pictures of as he's building the deck. This laptop was with him every stage of the way that was kind of like there as his friend beside him. It's crazy. Like learning, we kind of call it like learning or upskilling on the platform. Is I mean, it's been a like core part of the YouTube ecosystem for quite some time. Um, but in the last year, we've seen like streaming of upskilling almost like double um, globally, like watch time is almost doubled. So yeah. it continues to be, I've heard people refer to YouTube as YouTube University a lot yeah. of the time because yeah. like, yeah. anytime you need to know how to do something, you go and check it out. So I, uh, YouTube taught me how to tie my tie. Act- really? Yeah. yeah so, at yeah. one point, at one point, it's probably not the top search query anymore. But years ago, how to tie a tie was one of the top ones in that people would uh, put into the search box. So, and I think partly because I did it more than once. Every time I had to wear a tie, I had to search that up and do it, and I watched it a few times. But the question is now: Do you know how to tie a tie? No, no. I, I never, I never did it enough to consistently practice. Like I probably needed to do it like every day for like a couple weeks, but I would do it like once every few months I needed to actually wear a tie. And then I figured out how to like undo the tie so I could just like put it on the shelf without having to untie it all the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. 
Also, are ties still? Like, do people still wear ties? I don't know. No, it's not. A bow ties. You could bust out a bow tie once in a while, but most of the good ones are clip-ons these days. So oh, there you go. Yeah. So you need, you need a new search term. So I've I've had people on the show who have uh, kind of been creators on other platforms, but they always strive to make it big on YouTube. It's no matter how big they've made on other platforms. And I think it has to do with partly maybe just your monetization model in the sense that YouTube has paid more than $30 billion to creators, artists, and others over the last three years. And and why is that? How has YouTube done that? Like, what, is, what does that look like on the, the, the back end? Is it like when I see an ad on someone else's video, part of it's going to that creator and other parts going to YouTube? Or how do, what's the kind of model? Yeah, that I mean, have? I think like... Again, I'm not a creator myself, but I think some of the feedback that we constantly hear is that when creators are trying to sort of grow their brand presence in like the digital ecosystem, YouTube is like a really central part. One, because the audiences are there. So if you think about the reach of a platform like YouTube globally, uh, it's enormous. It's the single biggest, I believe, online video platform in the world. Um and then even in Canada, like the reach of YouTube in Canada, it reaches 94% of Canadians every single month. So if you just think about the audience potential and the size of like visibility and exposure, that is, I would imagine, a real reason why creators really want to build their profiles on, on the platform. And then, yes, of course, from a monetization standpoint, um, there is certainly like a rev share uh, component to it where, you know, if you're a creator and you're producing really great content and you start to build your audience over time, um, you can build a real business out of that. You can, a lot of people have done so super successfully. So um, yes, effectively the way that it works is part of the ad revenue that we, we generate um, part of that gets shared with creators. And so your, your comment around um, the 30 billion is, is new data. Um, I believe Susan just published that um, I think yesterday yesterday in uh, a blog post. So it's just an incredible impact on like both creator ecosystem and like, quite frankly, from an economic standpoint. Um, so it's something we're super proud of. That's incredible. If you, if you think about it, you know, talking to my parents or anyone else, you know, even someone from 10 years ago, these jobs never existed, you know, being a creator, right? And even the term creator is, is newer for some, as people have called them influencers or YouTubers, yep. where creator is slowly becoming more and more adopted. We call this this like new collar economy is, is yep. growing and, and emerging and it isn't going away. No, I mean, I certainly don't think it's going away. I mean, the Democrat. Uh, oh my god! I can never say it. Democrat. Oh my god! Demo, I can't say it. You're gonna have to cut this one out. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, democratization. Oh, thank you. The yes, democratization yes. of tech is honestly what's I think enabled this to continue to grow. Um, I honestly don't think this is going away. My hope is that you know, like kids will figure out how to use sort of, it's not just like, I want to be famous. It's my hope is that it's like, I want to help build something or want to build skills or help people do X. Um, we're seeing more of that on the platform, but yeah, it, I can't see it going away. Oh, that's incredible. So as far as advertisers, right. And so, you know, you kind of break it down. If someone's saying, man, I've got a cat sweater business in Winnipeg and I want to find people who love cats what does it look like to advertise on YouTube today? Because I, you know, Google search is understandable. Someone searches in Google. I can run a text ad, um, you know, top of the kind of search area. Yeah. That makes sense. But how does that whole pre-roll kind of advertising on YouTube work? 
Yeah. So it effectively works with starting with your marketing objective. So if you want to sell cat sweaters, I would first almost like start one level back from that, which is, okay, what is your objective? Do it, do people know about your cat sweater business? Like, is there any sort of existing awareness or do you have to build awareness first? I got to build awareness because most people don't think cats need sweaters for some reason. You know what? I don't know. Or if you're like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I just want to very narrowly target the five people who go to Google and look up cat sweaters. Um, that's kind of ultimately where you have to start. So what is your, are you trying to drive a very specific action? Um, and is that action sort of awareness, consideration, uh, or is it sort of like conversion-based stuff? Um, and so once you've decided that as a business, then you, one, need to just like hopefully have a video. Mm. Um, so there's lots of different ways, lots of different tools, both like through the YouTube ecosystem and outside of the YouTube ecosystem to help you build like a compelling video that will hopefully help you sell cat sweaters. Um, and then effectively, YouTube is like built in the same sort of like core interface as Google ads or Google search, what most people would recognize. Mm -hmm. so effectively, you upload a video. You have to have a channel, so you have to upload your video. You're in Google Ads. You select what your marketing objective is and what sort of formats you think you want to run against. Um, and, you know, you again, I won't get into the complicated world of it, but you choose, you know, how many people you want to reach, how yep. much you're comfortable paying, what your sort of yep. maximum bid is, um, and then you kind of go from there. Um, and so, yeah. And I can almost tell YouTube if someone is searching for like even just watching cat videos because they love cats or searching, you know, people are searching and watching videos about, you know, knitting sweaters. Yeah. I could possibly, can I choose how to advertise to those two types of searchers or watchers? Yeah. So there's different like types of targeting that we have. Yeah. So one of the types of targeting is something we called keyword targeting mm -hmm. um, or topic targeting. So in that case, yes, if you wanted to target, um, you know, folks who were, have, you know, had an interest in knitting, for example, that's certainly one option that you have as a brand. So there's different, it, it honestly, it, the world is your oyster when it comes to figuring out uh, the right formats and the right ways in which to reach people. And it totally yeah. depends on your, your business objectives. Okay, help me understand this. I'm I'm watching some Mark Rober with my family. His latest video comes out, right? Squirrel, um, you know, obstacle course or whatever the episode is. And sometimes I'll watch a, a video and there'll be no ads. It'll go right to the video and and maybe within the video, the person's even maybe promoting a course. And I've noticed now the top left corner it says includes, you know, kind of built-in advertising, which is an interesting little kind of like piece in the video. Or I'll get a video that I can actually hit skip ad on. I can hit skip. Yep. Or sometimes I'll watch a video and it'll it'll be a little countdown. It'll say, all right, this video is gonna, you know, usually tea. It's usually iced tea for some reason. <laughs> for some reason, I always I get targeted iced tea commercials that I can't skip. And I was like, they must make a lot of money with iced tea because I assume the prices are different or just how you guys structure is different. Maybe keep that breakdown. Yeah, sure. So um, again, the starting point is always what the objective is. So. Um, some advertisers who care more about building like awareness. So let's just say iced tea, there's like a new iced tea brand that no one's ever heard of. And they're like, okay, we really need people to know about this. Yes. They often 
I have no idea if this example happened, but they will probably often choose what we call um, a forced ad. Yes. Which yes. is what you're describing, one of the scenarios you're, de you're describing where um, there's usually a bit of a countdown and it's like yeah. a forced six second ad yeah. or maybe a forced like 10 second or 15 second yeah. ad. Um, and so usually those are the reason why you're seeing those is because the brand on the other end of that decision has said, you know what, I really need people to see this because I really need to build awareness because I'm really starting from from scratch in some cases. Mm -hmm. um, and then often when you see the skippable ads, um, the skippable ads, we always advise marketers to think about more if you're trying to build consideration or if yes. you're trying to build more connection. Because yeah. um, if you have a skippable ad and you're not interested in what it is, again, you have as the user on the other end, you have the opportunity to skip it. If you build compelling creative though, yeah. and you're a brand who is like delivering that ad and that pre-roll runs and you choose to watch it, that is like an amazing signal of like someone who's maybe leaned in to what you're saying and maybe interested and maybe over time will end up hopefully buying your brand. So, so it does really start with the objective that the brand has and then the formats are kind of just designed in a way to best deliver against that. So that's why sometimes you'll see something forced and sometimes you'll see a skipped ad. I also have to say, I think the way that you guys have it set up, the when the, you know, even if it is a skip ad, the targeting that has come to me is amazing. Like I actually enjoy them at times because they know what I'm into. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think we got to give a shout out to one of the most legendary pre-roll ads was put out by NW. And I think at the time, uh, and, and still is rethink is the agency uh, on record. It, and they had, uh, said it was, the, it was the guy, I can't remember his name, Bill Thomas or something. And he was like, I just want to let you know there's a new burger and uh, sorry to interrupt your video, but here's some puppies you can look at while I tell you about this new burger. And it was these beautiful, cute little puppies because people love watching puppies. Yeah. And then he tells me about this new burger NW launches and says, oh, by the way, okay, Go on and watch your video or uh, keep watching puppies, whatever you choose. And, and I can say there was a few times because they ran this ad for a, a couple weeks was I didn't hit skip. I just kept watching these puppies because they were amazing. Totally. Honestly. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, but, but sometimes when I go to watch like a, a TV show on like global, like one of these apps, right? Like it's a TV app on my Apple TV. They run the same ad time and time again to the point where I actually get upset with the advertiser. I'm like, well, it's almost the negative because whereas I feel like at least with YouTube, it's like you have a choice or if it is a forced ad, I feel like it was directed at me and it only happens once during the experience. Or if it does happen mid video, it's a different ad. Yeah. You have it like, I feel like global and CTV and all those folks need to figure out how to diversify the ads or else it's, I feel like it's really negative against the brands now. I mean, uh, what's interesting is that, so first on your puppy, yeah, yeah. my favorite thing in the world is when you have a creative agency who just like really understands the platform, you know, and they design an idea and an execution so brilliantly that like people, what we've learned and we, we look at ads all the time and we measure, we sort of analyze thousands of ads and we look at what does well, what doesn't, when do people skip, when don't they, et cetera. And one of the things that we constantly see is that that clever ads 
really, really resonate and, and brands will get rewarded for it. So anyway, I just, it's more of an aside. I love when you have an agency who just like fundamentally understands the platform and they build creative design for that platform. Um, some really great examples I can share at some point around brands who are doing that in Canada now, but, um, yeah. So, so back to your question. Um, I thank you for saying that. So one of the things that like we try really hard to do is one, understand what the user experience looks like. Um, and we try really hard to both enable things like frequency capping. It's like not a sexy yes. topic, but it's really important um, as an option for advertisers to say, hey, you know what? Maybe you maybe you want to show this ad at a maximum, I don't know, one time a week. Uh, or two times a week, and so we have we try to help our advertisers and and partners just decide like what's the right sort of amount so that you know you can get your message across, you can hopefully drive some lift in your business, but you also recognize that you're not annoying the person who's on the other end of that. So there's lots of tools like that. We also have a tool um, called video ad sequencing, which is very cool. You might it sounds like maybe you've you've been a participant of this, although. Um, Maybe you're not you're not sure, but one of the things that is is unique to YouTube is the ability to actually like sequentially tell a story. So using different types of creative and almost thinking about if this happens, then what? And then designing your story like that. So if I serve this ad and someone skips, then maybe I just need to hit them with like a really quick six second message you know, the next time I show them a pre-roll spot. But what happens if someone actually chooses to watch my ad? Well, that's probably an indication that they're interested a little bit in what I'm what I'm saying. So maybe the next one in that sequence that I share a week later goes really deeper on my brand story or yeah. like really it's like a minute or a two minute ad and maybe I've earned that attention. So um, that's also a really cool, interesting tool that we're seeing marketers play around with a lot, um, just to not just like repeat the same thing, but really think strategically about the sequence and the journey of how you build your brand um, with a with a, an audience. Yeah, it, 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 I find it also funny sometimes. I uh, I have younger children who will watch YouTube sometimes, and those that do uh, pre-roll on children's YouTube videos probably know there's a parent around. And so I uh, have watched my kids be like, oh, check this video out, Dad, that I found. And it was like for some bread company and talking about the making of the bread and they because they had continued to watch that video because they were really intrigued. They didn't go on to watch their, uh, you know, Paw Patrol. They were like, look at this cool bread thing. And, <laughs> and, 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 you know, they call the parent into the room and it, and and it worked. Like I was really impressed with with uh, being able to target kids' videos by marketing to the parents. I mean, yeah, like so. I you probably know, but like YouTube is a platform that's you know meant for over thirteen. Yes, and so, yes. in the case of you know someone like you who who is like with your kids, probably yes, yes. makes more sense. And we do recognize yeah. that there's certainly like a lot of co-viewing happening on the platform. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. But should you ever want to avoid any of those YouTube kids? I don't oh, know. YouTube kids. YouTube kids. kids. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. There's okay. I'm amazed. Okay. Speaking of creators, there is this uh, YouTube kids. There's a whole world of people like adults who yeah. play with toys, children's toys with voices on YouTube kids and, and unbox children's toys. Like 
millions of views on on these people and they spend all day doing this and i'm like i'm so impressed i'm like that's your thing yeah you can unbox toys and play with lol dolls i know it's like it's, it's what i love so much about the platform it you can get something you can get content that is like super mainstream like i mainlined a bunch of like reality tv clips last week yeah yeah and then you can also get super niche very specific like the that's why it's so funny every time i have a conversation about like what is youtube you know like youtube is just this like it's the sum of the parts and yeah. and the parts are so vast and it it's such an it's like it's funny we did some research probably a year ago just to understand the role that youtube plays in in the lives of canadians and and they basically said, and it, it, I'm happy, it, it, it surprised me a bit that YouTube is the number one platform that they would miss the most if it went away. Yeah. Yeah. And like by a really big delta. Um, and I think that's part of the reason because there is such a diversity of content that exists and yeah. it, it's main sort of mainstream or super niche it can meet the moment and it feels yeah. very personalized. So yeah, it, you know, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to understand all of the creator niches, but you know, whatever works. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, speaking of kind of more mainstream, you, you know, the, the YouTube, uh, Justin Bieber, Haley Bieber documentary yeah. that came out, that was really cool. That was a neat kind of exclusive to YouTube. Um, but what I'm finding too, with, like our clients and, and having a presence on there organically and creating great content, the advertising opportunity is incredible. Maybe tell us about some of these brands in Canada that are just killing it on the ad side. Yeah. Um, so great question. So uh, first a couple things just to know. So there's, you know, we've seen from a trend standpoint, like a, a pretty accelerated evolution in the last like year or so around consumption on the platform. Yeah. Um, so in the last year, watch, digital watch time in general is up, but it's up hugely on YouTube. So I think Susan in that letter that she referenced um, also referenced 25% increase in watch time, which again goes to show you that, you know, people are spending a lot of time um, deeply connected to the platform. Yes. The other thing we've noticed is that behavior is changing a bit. So I'm not sure if you do this. I think you probably do with your kids, but we've noticed this like acceleration of streaming, like on your connected TV device, oh, yeah. um, which is not new per se, but it's really accelerated in the last year. So yeah. um, like connected TV devices. So anyone who's listening it's like you're watching youtube content but you're streaming it so whether you're casting it um you're stream streaming it in some capacity to your tv screen um it's our fastest growing device it's our fastest growing screen and there are 10 million canadians who are actually like watching it youtube that way now which is like again if you think about it kind of crazy um so from a brand standpoint if you just like first start to there to understand just the scale and scope of this platform. It's like a really great opportunity to connect with customers um, at scale. Um, so in terms of like brands who are doing things well, the first thing that I certainly recognize is like brands who are leaning into really smart creative in a really interesting way. Um, so we released probably two months ago our YouTube ads leaderboard. I don't know if you caught it, um, but it basically it's it's a celebration of like the top 10 most watched ads. 
um, and they're ads. So obviously they were paid. So it's not organic. It's like ads. Um, and it's such an interesting mix of like what made the list. So one sort of like observation I had was that I think it was seven of the 10 ads um, were from Canadian companies. So that to me is like really cool to see because it just, again, there's like huge creative um, energy in this, this market. It's not, you don't have to be the Nikes of the world to like build this like over, not overproduced, they build beautiful ads, but a hugely produced ad that costs a fortune and that's only what does well. Seven of 10 were um, Canadian in scope. Um, and the majority of them were, I would say, the opposite of like overly produced. So a yeah. couple examples that come to mind. So skip the dishes. Yes. Um, probably most of you who are listening know, but skip the dishes, great delivery company um, in Canada. They use John Hamm as oh, their. They were great. They were great ads. I, I, I love Skip the Dishes, but I like John Hamm, and he, and he you know, it's like you know, self-effacing and hilarious and well, good. brilliant. Like broke yeah. the fourth wall, which yes. like actually yeah. often is some like a technique, a creative technique that works yeah. really well on YouTube. Breaks the fourth wall, makes it so funny and yeah. and comedic. Anyway, he did amazing work. Um, recently it's actually just launched, I think like last week, but BMO just launched, um, a huge campaign. I can't remember what with, with the, with the guy from, uh, Zoe Deschanel. Um, uh, maybe. so they've used a bunch of different influencers. So they, okay, used okay. Bianca from, um, Ru oh my God, I want to say RuPaul's Drag. Yeah. Okay. Cause I'm thinking of the, I got, I got targeted all those ads. Uh, different places with the guy from New Girl. I can't oh, remember his name. Oh. The actor from New Girl, and and he was great. And they were great ads, and they were funny and quirky, and yeah. Okay. Really well, well, so what what they're doing? I haven't seen that one then. So what they're doing that's really smart is they are basically um, trying to lean into this concept of personalization. So they recognize that you know my interests might look really different than yours. So if I'm a big foodie, and you're big on entertainment. They recognize that they there's an opportunity to serve like a slightly different piece of creative to me versus to you based on Brilliant. the content that you're watching. So they um, created 280 different pieces of creative uh, wow. using this tool that we have called director mix, where basically you just, you have one base asset and you can change the copy, you can change the image, et cetera. And then you, so it's like a really scrappy way to, to, build personalization at scale effectively. So BMO is doing really great work. Um, and then I would say who else is doing really good stuff? Um, uh, yeah, no. Okay. So it's, it's quite polarizing, but I really enjoy it. So no frills. Yes. Oh yeah. They're, they're like hilarious. No frills, like yes. full rebrand. Yes. Yes. Like millennial rebrand. Yes. And I think yeah. like two years ago. Yep. Um, I, I mean, again, I have no idea if it's working for them, but they're continuing to lean into it pretty hard and they're doing yes. really smart things on like from a YouTube standpoint, but also from like an at home standpoint, it's like really cool stuff. So, yeah. um, I would say those are just a few, but honestly, we're lucky because more brands are, especially now are just taking this opportunity to like really lean into agile creative and play around in ways that maybe they weren't before um and so we we think that's amazing we think it's awesome an ad i recently didn't skip and, and you know put out by a canadian's uh canadian ad agency so ryan reynolds has his own ad agency now so he yeah. did one for match 
where where the devil was matched with 2020. And, and, and every time it, I would get the, the pre I would not hit skip. And I like, I remember the second time even being like saying to my wife, you got to see this ad. This is hilarious. Oh, brilliant. It was like a micro episode of like a, like a video it, that was enjoyable actually and hilarious and so poignant. It was so good. He is honestly, he's been like the hero of 2020, 2021. Like, and also so brilliant that he's using his own talents, right? What he is uniquely good at to like build his own agency and gin and movie. I'm like, oh God, you're, you are, you're doing it right. He's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and trends and, and what's your encouragement to brands this next year? Like what, what are the trends they need to follow? What are things that brands that you, you encourage them to do? Maybe from, you know, you gave some great ad tips, maybe from an organic side or maybe yeah. any more tips from the ad side. So just from like a content standpoint, I mean, we continue to see like sports viewing on YouTube continuing to grow. Um, I don't imagine health, wellness, well-being is going anywhere. We've seen growth on that sustain itself. Um, And then to our earlier conversation, upskilling and learning. So I think those are sort of three areas that, you know, again, I can't predict what will happen in the future, but all signs are indicating that those are going to continue to sort of trend uh, in, in the up words direction. The one piece of advice I always tell brands to think about is to, if you want to better understand what consumers care about at any given moment and delineate between whether something's like a fad that's kind of like, you know, the sourdough situation of, of six months ago. Like, I don't think anybody's making sourdough anymore. Um, so what's like a flame out sort of trend versus like what's a sustainable trend or what might be um, is using Google Trends, the tool. Yes, um, yes I love that. Honestly, is it is still shocking to me how few marketers actually, I think, use the tool and even know about the tool. But if you're a brand big or small, even if you're a creator, big or small, I would encourage you to start there because it is a free, completely publicly accessible tool that basically helps you start start to understand within a given category or topic or keyword, um, what is sort of growing or not over time? What are the associated rising terms that people care about at any given moment in real time? And so, um, I would, I would just start there because, you know, it's certainly not, none of us can predict what's going to be a, a, a trend into the, into the future, but there are some sort of, you can kind of get some, you can build your own hypotheses as a brand and kind of say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to monitor where this goes. And if, if this continues to grow, or if I see that, you know, there's areas where my brand might be able to align really well to you know what canadians or global folks care about um i just think that's such a smart place to start so um yeah do you use amazing tool i I don't know i love it i love it i love it and and those of you that maybe don't like the like you know it's not very technical it's easy to follow but those of you just want even a fun unique version of it there's answerthepublic.com which takes google trends and kind of visualizes it but again all based on google trends yeah. Um, okay, I heard a rumor uh, that the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, uses Google Trends to find disease outbreaks around the world because where else can you know if like one day 10, then 50, then 100 people are Google searching for a symptom? And so 
CDC was using this tool to be like, oh, wow, there's 200 people Google searching for this weird rash under their toes. There must be a weird toe rash outbreak in the city. So then they'll fly into that city and realize there was an outbreak. But thanks to Google Trends, that could be just a rumor. But you know what? I don't know if that's true. But if 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 it is, I think that's an amazing use of the tool. And it's brilliant. And it's why should marketers do that? Yeah, we should use it for something good, not just exactly. I mean, hopefully toe fungus, hopefully they're stopping early onset toe fungus spread. So hope sounds like it's being used for good. But yeah, I just think uh, it's such an untapped tool for brands, for marketers. Um, so, you know, my, it's like one of the things I wish that I knew of nine or nine years ago, seven years ago when I was a marketer at Procter, I was like, why didn't I know that this existed? So. Yeah. Um, one thing I got to ask about, so um being busy people in the morning, getting dressed and getting ready for the day. We've got this uh, alarm clock now. I don't know what you call it. It's like a, a Google alarm clock thing. I wake up and I can say to, I say, Hey Google, tell me the news. And it tells me the news. Like and the big one? It, the hub? Yeah, yeah, it's a hub. Yeah, yeah. Google hub. Yeah. So I have this hub thing and then it will tell me the weather so I can know what to dress. And then the best thing of my two-year-old waddles in and he's amazing, but he also likes to cause mischief at times. But I'll be able to say, hey, hey, Google, play Daniel Tiger on YouTube. And and he loves it. And he'll sit and watch this little mini screen play these YouTube videos. And so, again, it's been a great kind of entertainment. I don't know if it's learning. Daniel Tiger does teaches, teaches children some things. So maybe it's, you know, educating up, but it's been a great resource in our family. You know, it's funny. You just, you just triggered Daniel T- Tiger on my, uh, on your, on yours in your yeah. home. Hold on. Hey Google. Stop playing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There, so that's that awesome. one that happens often. Yes. Yes. And now my, my other children have figured out they can now talk to our Google hub and ask for other videos. And it's incredible. I'll come in and my like other girls, are we watching my other kids? Are we watching another video, but they've been able to actually like verbally, they can't write yet, but they can verbally say to Google how to, you know, what videos to watch. And it's amazing. Isn't that so interesting? It's like, yeah. I won't pretend to know all of the inner workings of like our cerebral like development, but we're, kids are learning such interesting things that, you know, that we would never, anyway, I don't know. I think it's fascinating. I'm, I, I mentioned this before, I'm a tech optimist in every sense of the word. And so I think that if it's adding to your life and adding to your experience, then hopefully it's, it's a good thing. That's awesome. So, um, YouTube creators, yes. there's lots of them out there. Yes. And so you can reach out directly to them. You can, um, there's probably agents as well for a lot of them right across the country. Um, uh, watching these videos, again, we have the opportunity to advertise in pre-roll, you know, sometimes in the middle of the video with, yeah. with YouTube, but also we can even partner with a creator. Have you yeah. seen any good opportunities there where, where you know, a brand has partnered with a Canadian creator and produced some really great content that, that reaches people? Yeah, I mean, um, partnerships is hugely important um, and also super effective at like driving the business. I've seen a lot of creator partnerships more in very specific verticals or industries. So um, creator partnerships are really huge in like beauty. Yes. Um, So like the beauty ecosystem uh, is, is huge on the platform. And so you'll see the likes of L'Oreal partnering really closely with specific creators that align to their brand. Um, So that's one. It's really big in tech. 
So because mm -hmm. unboxing videos are yes. such a huge sort of phenomenon and continue yeah. to be on the platform, a lot of like tech brands have kind of asked to like whether it's gifted, whether it's sponsored, there's different iterations of like what, you know, partnership could look like. Um, but sending product to these tech influencers to unbox and then like use and share their experiences is huge. Um, where else do we see a big? And then I would say in like cooking and food, like cooking yeah, okay. also pretty big. Um, just especially too now that it's like becoming such a big space yeah. on the platform. So um, again, like if you're a brand, I would not to be redundant, but like to me, it it really does start with like, what is it that you want to achieve? And if what creator partnerships do an amazing job of beyond just pre-roll is add like a, just a different level of connection um, and context to the brand that sometimes is harder to get across when it's a 15 second ad. Right. Yeah. Um, so if you are in a business where you're trying to build more community, you're trying to build more advocacy and like brand love. I think like creator partnerships are an amazing sort of addition to your existing strategy um, and have been proven to be super effective when done right. They're, they have been done wrong before. Uh, and I think okay. we've learned a lot in the last, I would say, five years around, you know, how to do really good partnerships and how to do not so good ones. Transparency is key. Uh, it's probably the most important, one of the mo most important fundamentals. Um, but yeah, I think they're super effective. That is awesome. I uh, saw recently, so one of my favorite YouTuber creators, I, I actually love it whenever he puts out a new video. It's like typically once a month, Mark Rober. Um, he, for the first time, usually he says, oh, by the way, this this episode was brought to you by blank and, and go check them out here. But recently he's like, hey, I made my own course. So he made his own thing. So he actually was advertising something that he created. I think he got to the point where he realized I was able to influence and send so many people to other places. He created his own sort of product or, or learning experience. That's amazing. Well, you're yeah. seeing a ton of creators and influencers building their brands now, like into different areas of the business, right? So like, you know, what's a good example? Um, there's a bunch of food creators like, oh, Maddie, Maddie Matheson is a great example. Um, you're probably very familiar, Canadian, big personality, has like a bunch of different channels and stuff going on on YouTube, like got different stuff, all very interesting um, and awesome. I love watching his stuff, but he's branched out now and he's like built his own like sort of cookware line extensions. He's also a writer. Like there's so many different, that's why I love what the community, what digital can actually enable, right? And why I think Susan's note yesterday or a couple days ago around you know, not just the impact of like monetization, but the impact that the creator ecosystem actually has had on like from an economic standpoint, yeah. creating jobs um, and fueling growth in a in a more less conventional way than like maybe we've like traditionally thought of. Well, what I do you think, think of Mr. B? He, he passed on that love. He if you, and those that don't know this YouTube creator, he is often uh, lavishly giving gifts and money monetary gifts to to random people or or you know intentionally to different people and it's it's mind-blowing yes it's awesome it's awesome so um that's part of the that's part of the magic of the platform it's like there's no there's just so much potential right there's so much potential both as if you're a creator if you're a brand 
Um, and hopefully it's all moving in the direction that like makes our, not to be too cliche, but makes our world better and is additive um, as opposed to not. So I remember so two things I want to kind of ask you about. I remember the day when, I, and I can't remember what her channel was called, but it was the first YouTube channel that surpassed the average weekly viewing on a TV sitcom. So it ended up being she got outed as like, oh, it was actually a produced show. She was pretending to be this homeschool girl and she just went on every week to tell about her life and what was happening. Ended up being that the set was all Ikea furniture and she was it was a produced video. Oh. But it made headlines because it was it was such huge news because so all of a sudden people are saying, well, is, can YouTube be as valuable or as valuable as, say, like a weekly show on YouTube as a weekly sitcom? And, and it kind of opened up all of those questions. And so now when we look at it, there are shows now that you know, millions of views that come out every week. Whereas you've got a TV show that may, you know, it's on a, a big network, it's well-produced, you know, millions of dollars produced it, and it may get half of those views, which yeah. kind of blows me away just even in the last kind of seven years what's happened. I know. It's crazy. It's like, it's, it, I think anyone who uses the platform, either in a creator aspect or as like a user like you and me um really can deeply understand now the potential of like what audience reach actually looks like um but yeah it's so crazy too because we've had to like reframe how we think about from a marketing standpoint yeah how you build your brands right it's it looks different like i even think about you know seven years ago when I was at P&G and I was the one, I was the marketer. I was the one who was in charge of the money and could decide sort of like how, what we said to, to people and how, how we said it. And at the time there was only like a handful of, it was like TV and at a home. And like, those were kind of the, just the assumed sort of channels. And so I just think it is really interesting that, you know, fast forward seven years, digital video consumption is, is through the roof. YouTube is the number one ad supported video platform in Canada. And so, and you don't need to be fancy all the time, you know, like you don't need to spend hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars on fancy production. It can actually be super successful if it's you and the camera and, you know, a really great idea. Um, and it can it can go somewhere. So I just you're right. It's cool and it's awesome. And I don't think we're going back to the old way. I feel like we're probably like this is this is the train. So skate to where the puck is going. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. And I've had it happen where I was like, you know, I I could access these TV channel apps, traditional TV channel apps, and I could watch a show on it that I really, really love. But the ads, the way they ran the ads were so frustrating that I finally would just go to iTunes and buy it. Oh, by the whole season because I was so frustrated because it was just the same ad. Literally, they never changed the ad. So it'd be like I'd see the same ad 10 times over the course of 25 minutes. And so I finally was like, <laughs> I can't handle it. I couldn't handle it. So, um, okay, the next thing I want to ask, speaking of, of consumption and the way I'm consuming, when you look at like, I look at my son who's mostly watching YouTube videos, say on his iPhone, right? And he's watching it and then he sees what the next video is and he'll watch a video that way. Um, you'll see other people who watch YouTube videos, say on a laptop, right? And they're at work and they're watching it maybe for learning or a work related thing. For me, I, I feel like the majority of my YouTube consumption these days is is recreationally. So I have a, an Apple TV and I can choose between like Amazon Prime, Netflix, you know, now Apple Plus and Crave. 
Um, but I'll often go to YouTube as mm-hmm. my show, but I'm watching it on a television sitting on a couch and like, I'll watch these POV mountain bike videos or I'll watch like, you know, I'll watch these videos that I love. So what would I look like as a viewer versus like, say like, have you broken down like the laptop viewers versus the cell phone versus like, what, what am I called? Like a TV viewer? Yeah, so we would call you uh, a connected TV. So you, yeah. you might've heard it as some people say streaming, some people say CTV for short. Yeah, okay. Okay. You would be a connected TV viewer, which is yeah, whether it's like Chromecast or, or whatever I've device I've chosen to use. Exactly. Right. So like we, we just, the, Chromecast is one enabler. Apple TV is another enabler. There's different like actual like technical ways to like YouTube on your TV screen. Um, But we call anyone who is consuming YouTube on a connected TV device, which is like your TV, is connected TV. And so that is, to my earlier point, where we have seen a massive, massive shift in behavior, in particular in the last, I would say, two years. And likely because, you know, proliferation of of smart TVs is now like they're just more in people's homes than they ever were before. Um, I think that's one. And then I think two, you know, I've had a lot of customers tell me in the last year, especially because we've been home so much more, tell me about the fact that they're like, huh, I... I'm not sure if I fully got it before, but I get it now. I get it now. And I think that's because the combination of, you know, how easy it is to like cast and coupled with the fact that it's like, oh, wow, I've like just sort of discovered a bunch of new content that like is really amazing um, is what is accelerating the growth. And so, like I said before, 10 million Canadians now are, are watching YouTube on connected TV. That's a, that's a huge, huge number. And that trend yeah. isn't going away. We're yeah. only going to continue to see that accelerate. Yeah. And, and I can attest even, um, you know, events and experiences like, you know, experiences that would normally happen on a Sunday that can no longer happen in person are now being streamed live yes. on YouTube Live. The majority of these, you know, organizations that can't afford, say, maybe a fancy hosting platform and, mm-hmm. and nor do they even nor are they even any better they make it, you know, their experience accessible and easy to use. And they, you know, YouTube lives everywhere. Everyone's like, go experience this event on YouTube live. Totally. It's so, so a couple of things that we're starting to see. So one live streaming in general has like also accelerated, which makes a lot of sense. Um, it's like, I think, did you, the, we, we live streamed the Easter Andrea uh, Bocelli concert in yeah, in last year in 2020. Um, and that broke a ton of different records. I think I'm not going to get all of them right. Um, but live streaming is huge. We're actually seeing like live shopping and like commerce being it's, it's like not quite here yet in Canada. It's like, it started, um, uh, overseas. It's like huge in Asia, but we think that that's an area that we're going to continue to like, just keep our eye on because, Again, as e-com continues to accelerate now, right, and as people are just a lot more comfortable buying things online than maybe they were a year ago, um, that behavior is probably not going away. And so we're just seeing a lot of brands like lean into very interesting ways to sort of like reveal their new collections and find different ways to sort of shop exclusively and like premiere different content on different platforms like live streaming on. So anyway, it's like all of these really innovative new ways to not just when you're sitting there watch, 
but also from a marketing standpoint, really cool new ways to think about how you launch a product mm-hmm. that maybe yeah. is feels a little unconventional, but is you know becoming more widely adopted. I'm I'm very thankful for Pink Bike, who is helping me try to figure out what my next bike is. So they have oh. an amazing YouTube channel, oh. and and they're constantly reviewing bikes and and doing bike awards. And it's an amazing channel that lets you kind of really like from an agnostic perspective, they review all these bikes, and and I love it. It's it's been awesome. I need a new bike, so Pink Bike. Yeah, Pink Bike. Yeah, yeah. Jamie, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. Um, I really appreciate your time. Thanks, everyone, for joining us this week, Marketing News Canada, and we'll see you next time on the show. Outro music. Jamie, you were amazing. We didn't do our rapid fire, though. Do you want to do a rapid fire? Do you feel good? Oh, my God, yeah, we forgot that. Yes. Let's do it. This is a new thing. This is only my second time I've ever done this. Let me go through this because I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Okay. Um, All right. All right, Jamie. um, New segment on Market News Canada. Rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. What was your first job? I was a cashier at Sobeys. Amazing. Night (laughs) owl or early bird? So uh, early bird. Early bird. Are you a cat or a dog person? Dog all the way. Dark or milk chocolate? Milk. Red or white wine? Ooh, controversial, but I'm going white. I'm going okay. white. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Um, Canucks or Leafs? Leafs. Terrible. Sucker for punishment. That's great. Uh, your dessert of choice? I'm real basic. I like a good cookie. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Is it a type of cookie or you'll take any cookie? I mean, I will probably take any cookie, but like I'm really into Craig's cookies. You yes, don't yeah. live in Toronto, so they're very- I've heard, I've heard about them though. I've, I've heard the stories. Craig's cookies. Terrible. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, what is the number one thing on your bucket list right now? Oh, I just want to get on a plane when it's yeah. safe and travel. I really yeah. miss travel. Okay. Uh, favorite word these days? <laughs> favorite word? Um, fine. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. I think a lot of people, especially in this like digital environment, it's like, how are you? What's new? I'm like, yeah, nothing. Things fine. are fine. Same. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Um, last charity you supported and why? Whether it was uh, donation or, or volunteer? Um, I recently Ernestine's, um, which is a women's charity in uh, Toronto, uh, quite recently. It's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, favorite all-time movie for a like, cozy night in? I could watch, it's not a cozy movie, mm-hmm. but I have watched The Shawshank Redemption oh. probably yes. 300 times. It's always on like yep. over the holidays for some reason. Yeah. And that's like the movie I could watch an unlimited amount of times for the rest of my life. That's awesome. Uh, favorite song on repeat these days? Um, I'm still really into the um, the Weekends album. Yes. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm gonna say that whole album. There's like not yeah. one song that it's on repeat. That's a sign of a great album. That's it is. great. Uh, if you weren't doing this job, what would you be doing? I think I'd be a lawyer. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. 
So not dessert, but what's your favorite comfort food entree of sorts? Well, my I'm I'm a first generation Greek Canadian. Yes. And my mother is just the best, best cook. And she makes a dish. Uh, it's a it's like a Greek traditional soup. It's called Abu Lemono. It's mm -hmm. like chicken lemon soup and it's amazing and it's like comfort and makes me feel like home so mm -hmm. i that's the one i would choose it's very kala no very, oh yeah polikala uh yeah so I, I know i know yasu oh great tikanis tikanis oh man you're actually your your accent's pretty good I grew up with uh, Yanni Krembenos down the road, and so he, uh, he, I, I knew enough to be able to say hello to his parents. Oh, and, that's amazing! I love that. Yeah, yeah, they would invite me over for every every Easter. We'd have they'd have a lamb spit did on their. Did you do the egg game? No, we never did the egg game. No, oh, but at least you've experienced the lamb on the spit. That's a okay, real. Yeah. yeah, it's like not for the lighthearted <laughs> vegetarians. Oh, yes, yes, um, but it is really fun and very, yeah. very traditional. That's awesome. Well, thanks again, Jamie. Thanks Thank for being you here. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded at the Jelly Marketing Studio. Thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editor, Travis Jeffers. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.